Welcome to Ask the Dean. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm the co-founder of MAPT. I'm joined every week by Rachel Grubbs, the other co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years experience in the pre-med and test prep world, and by Dr. Scott Wright, former executive director of TMDSAS and former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School. Ask the Dean is a weekly Q&A we do live exclusively for our MAPT members, and this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Let's get started with pre-med office hours episode, I don't even know, 139, I suppose we'll call it. Um, my name is Ryan Gray. If you don't know who I am, shame, shame on me for not being available more for you. Uh, I'm a physician by training. I've written several books that I have right here. Uh, the pre-med playbook series. Um, I host the pre-med years podcast and I am lucky enough to be blessed with these two amazing people every day in my life. I'll start with the one, the only Dr. Scott Wright, former director of admissions at UT Southwestern, retired executive director at TMDSAS. Yep. How you doing my friend? Good, good. Uh, Excited dealing with all the great students uh, this year and also those from last year who are still, you know, making decisions about where they're going to go to school and things like that. And so it's uh, it's an exciting time of year. Yeah. You got news that one of your students that you mm -hmm. worked with last cycle got into an Ivy League school and some yes. other amazing schools mm -hmm. and still waiting to hear yep. from more amazing schools. Yep. Yep. So that's that's fun news. Yeah, it is. It's uh, what, how, how does that make you feel when you when you get that news? From one of your, uh, your babies. Yeah, it feels great. I mean, yeah. I love to celebrate those things with the students. And, you know, it's always funny to me how it doesn't matter how good the news is for the students. They also still worry about things, you know. Uh, and, and so I, you know, even at this point, uh, I'm still sort of calming them down. Yes, it's going to be okay, you know, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. You know, until I, I think often until the day they walk in the door and <laughs> they don't sit down it. in the classroom, <laughs> they they have these worries that something's going to happen. So. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's well, something we don't talk about a lot, but we experienced some of that last year, too, that a lot of people had sort of like post acceptance blues. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, I've been working for this for so long and now what? And like, am I really qualified? Do I belong? Am yeah. I going to survive? You know, and or uh, did they make a mistake and somehow they're going to come back later and say, oh, we made a mistake. You're not you. You're not going to be here. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that does happen. I <laughs> see mm -hmm. uh, some some emails go out. They're like, oops, sorry. Um, there there was the infamous Mayo incident um, <laughs> a couple of years ago where right. students sent, I think, 2,000 pounds of mayonnaise to Mayo in Rochester, Minnesota after mistakenly getting emails about interviews or acceptances or something. So anyway, let's keep rocking and rolling. Rachel Grubbs, co-founder at MAPT, also here today, MCAT test prep expert and pre-med expert for 20 or so years. How you doing? Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Uh, this is always one of the best parts of my week. And yeah, it's um, a lot of acceptances just in the last few days, you know, mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's always so wonderful 
Um, you know, we talk a lot about the ideal timeline about, you know, we really want you to apply in May or June and get your secondaries wrapped up by mid-July. Hopefully you're getting interviews by August, September, October, because that's just so much more comfortable, right? If you have an acceptance in October, like your winter is going to be glorious. You deal with your po post-acceptance blues real early, but but this still counts, right? And we always say this is the hardest part is the waiting is October, November, December, January, February, March. Acceptances are still coming in. Yep. And once you all start, you know, after your white coat, no one's going to care if you got an acceptance in October or on May 20th. Right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're that person that got like the the uh, acceptance the day before classes started, they're like, "Who's the new kid?" <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's okay. You're still there. So, yep. all right, yeah. friends, we are here to answer your questions for the next fifty three minutes. We'll get in as many as we can. Go to premed.tv to ask those questions, and don't forget a Mapped Pro account, which is. Only $90 a year uh, allows you to ask as many questions as you want, as often as you want, right inside of Mapped. So go check that out. You get 30 days for free using that referral code, 30 days free. Uh, Mapped Pro also gives you access to our newest feature, My LORs, which is a replacement for that thing called Interfolio, a third-party letter of recommendation service with a small asterisk. This application cycle 2023-2024 we cannot use Scott, <clears throat> T-M-D-S-A-S. -S. Um, Scott Scott wasn't able to pull his strings over there. Um, they, they will not let us use uh, their service this cycle, but we're working very closely with them for next cycle. Let's go check it out. All right. Got some questions? I'm trying to do my bewitched. Wiggle my nose. Jawad, <laughs> uh, do I need to, showing my age? Do I need to do a post back? Senior right. year was a 4.0 and 30 credits. Also, why do I need to add household income? Does our household income mean taxable income or gross income? Thanks as always. So, Scott, we often talk about post back, masters. Sometimes students do what we expect them to do for a postback kind of still wrapped into their normal undergraduate timeline 30 mm -hmm. credits 4.0 it's hard mm -hmm. with just that one little snippet of information though mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah i think uh I, I i would need to know more about you know obviously that i'm guessing jawad kind of represents um a upward trend for you if you're asking this question that that seems logical that that maybe the senior year is notably different than you know past years uh, mm -hmm. in your undergraduate experience and so without knowing that I, it's a little bit difficult to say but I, I definitely think that's a good sign um and uh would be something that would definitely be considered yeah, by admissions committees, the last you know year being so such a a, a great year for you. Yep. So without more information, it's a little bit tough to say. Do you need a postback or not? Yeah, and then in terms of household income, I, I'm pretty sure that that's just data gathering from the AAMC. They're not really using that information uh, for or against you, um, Scott. I don't know if you have any other inside information. I think that's just data. No. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it gives insight into 
um, you know, kind of what your socioeconomic status is and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, things like that. But other than that, I don't think it's really very meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did just do a quick Google, which when in doubt, friends, Google, uh, it does say adjusted gross income. So gross, okay. not net. Um, but yeah, it's, it's whatever the forms are asking for. Yep. Okay. All right. Let's keep rocking. Cam one Kaz 11. Uh, should I register for the preview and Casper now to take in the summer though? I haven't taken my April 29th MCAT just yet. Do we need our MCAT to complete our application for schools to review? Rachel, we were just talking about Casper. Um, Casper isn't open for registration yet, unfortunately. So uh, preview is, though. When, when is a good time for those? Yeah, so I tend to think of doing your situational judgment test sort of as part of your secondaries, by which I mean typically it's okay if you're taking them after you've done your primary application submission and you're in that process of pre-writing, submitting secondaries, which to me roughly means like June, July. That said, um, you know, there are limited test dates and that might mean looking ahead, especially for the preview that's already open and booking that test date. And I also don't think you have to wait until then. So I say, think of it as part of your secondaries just because you have to sign yourself that to do somewhere. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, but, um, you know, if you're able to get an earlier spring preview date and you just want to get it off your to-do list, go for it. Um, Casper, for whatever weird reason, is still listing test dates for the 2023 entry year. I think there's like one more in March, maybe one more in April. And you do have to take the Casper with the year, with the cohort you're applying with. Yep. So you literally, even though there are some spring dates for the Casper, they're not for the 2024 entry year. So with, um, we, and we've talked to our friends over at Casper about that. I mean, I think students would love to see summer dates by now. So hopefully they'll have those posted soon so that you mm -hmm. can start registering. Mm -hmm. um, but just keep in mind that that also means that on Casper, if you're looking at the list of schools that require it, that's last year's data. Make yeah. sure you're staying up to date. Yep, yep. Uh, and then can we submit our applications uh, without an MCAT score? Yes, yes, you can. That is one thing that you don't need to submit your, your primary application. Uh, some students, what they'll do is they'll fill out their application. They'll add one school. They'll designate one school to send that application to. And then uh, that will allow you to submit it but you're not spending the money for each of the schools before you get your score back and before you're comfortable. So it's interesting though, because the way CAMCAST worded this is, do we need our MCAT to complete our application for schools to review? Oh, that is yes. Yeah. yeah, typically, yeah, right. Most schools will wait until your MCAT score is in. It's primary applications, secondary applications, letters of recommendation, and MCAT score. Um, potentially Casper, potentially preview mm -hmm. um, for an application to be complete for them to then review it. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is language that, you know, we're always trying to refine and improve our messages. And I think we've done as a team here at Medical HQ, a great job of getting you guys, you, you pre-meds to understand <clears throat> it's important to submit early. What we're now trying to kind of help you clarify is you must also complete relatively early. Right. So all those pieces, you know, mm -hmm. um, still have to be in if you want the schools to take a look. Yep. yep. Rachel, watch your hair on your mic. No, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. What about my hair? 
uh, you and me, brother. You and me. <laughs> you have a different problem with your hair. That's true. Questions, right. questions. Let's keep rocking. Laura asks, I'm worried about my non-science GPA. I have a 1.8 my senior year for six credits. It was two classes. I don't know what to do. My science GPA is a 3.6. Any advice? Laura, 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 what happened? Um, this is a great situation, potentially, Rachel, of, of someone who um, has a decent GPA, but the story is... Uh oh, what's going on? Right. Things things are not ending well. Things are not on a good trajectory. And even with a decent GPA of three point six, science GPA, schools may have some questions here. Yeah, um, we talk a lot about um, upward downward trends, and one of the things we try to convey is that trends are going to matter more or less depending on when they happen and how they impact your GPA. So, for example. If Laura had a 3.9 QM and she got, you know, 1B or 1C and it went down to 3.8, we don't call that a downward trend, right? But a 1.8 senior year for six credits makes me nervous, even though it's only six credits, that's going to, um, you know, sort of stand out. Um, and, and so it just makes me wonder what happened because when med schools are looking at GPA, they aren't just looking at the number, they're trying to see, are you prepared to handle the rigor of med school? And something has happened in the last year that's made that maybe a little bit more of a question for you. So I think I would want us to look at your full, um, your full GPA analysis. I'm going to try to quickly turn on screen share here. Uh, share screen, got mapped. All right. So we've got our friend downward demo here. <laughs> uh, that gives you a little bit of a clue of the example I'm going. And so I'll, I'll zoom in a little here um, so you can just look at the GPA graph. And then if we get rid of this blue cube and orange science, gray non-science, now we can see like here's a real extreme kind of downward trend. Oh, you're not, you're not sharing. Sorry. I'm not sharing. There you go. There now we go. got it. Okay. Um, so you guys can see this sort of line. This is an extreme downward trend. Um, but, and it doesn't impact the QM as much, right? QM is 339. That's not bad. But if I'm a med school admissions person, this is going to make me nervous because it seems like school's gotten progressively harder for the student. Now, um, with you, with your question, it's hard to say because, um, it sounds like it's just a six credit blip, but I would definitely like to look at it. I would recommend, Laura, that you go to map.com if you haven't already and fill out this data. Um, when you create a free mapped account, you automatically get um, a free trial here to mapped chat um, and you can um, message with us. Um, let me back out. Do, do, do. Well, that's so weird. That select a conversation that's like not there. Uh, so you, anyway, you'll add an, you'll have an advisor message here, and you'll be able to message with us, um, and and let us give you a little bit more feedback. But yeah, I've I've definitely got some concerns for you about uh, about what's happening with your trend. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So. May need, may need a little bit of recovery there yeah. with post-back work, something like that. 
Speaking of recovery, yes, yeah, speaking of recovery, Scott <laughs> is rebooting his computer. He'll be back briefly. But Alexis, if you want to hit us up with another comment or question, we'll keep trucking. Uh, Jess asks, are there different expectations for post-bac interviews or if you are in your 30s and have 15,000 plus hours of clinical social work, time as a medic and shadowing? I have an interview next week. Congratulations for that interview. Um, yep. Post-bac interviews are about the same as medical school interviews. They're going to want to know why you want to be a doctor, why you're pursuing this post-bac stuff, all of that good stuff. So um, my interview book, I think, works perfectly fine um, for, for why do you want to be a doctor type questions. It's going to be a very similar, um, hopefully, style of interview for your post-bac. Mm -hmm. Good luck. Yeah. All right. What else? Ooh, big Christine one. asks, my son is, hello, Christine, thank you for coming, uh, is a bioscience major at a small New York college, and he is finishing his sophomore year. He has a 4.0 ma uh, major, 300 clinical hours, is, and was recently accepted at Cold Spring Harbor Lab for molecular research for a paid undergrad pr program this summer. He is unsure if he wants to go into research or clinical medicine. Should he decide before the summer, or is it okay to wait until after the summer program? Dr. Scott Wright, um, as a former director of admissions, you've looked at a lot of applications, potentially seeing where passions are located with how students are portraying themselves on an application. How early, I, I'm not sure if this question is, my son isn't sure if he wants to be a doctor or a researcher, or if my son isn't sure if he wants to do research as a doctor or do research. As, I, mm -hmm. I'm not sure exactly what this question is, but what, what advice do you have for Christine here? So first of all, let me apologize for if I, my internet is going weird. So anyway, if I zone out here for a second, I, I apologize. Um, I would say the two are not mutually exclusive. Um, you know, you can, I, to answer the direct question is, I would say wait until after the summer uh, to have more insight into what's going on with research and if your son really connects with it, et cetera. Uh, but I think that um, I don't see it's necessarily an either or kind of thing. Uh, there are a lot of researchers, even basic researchers that do clinical medicine. So, yep. you know, I don't see that uh, as a dichotomy there. Yeah. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So go do your research program. I have your son go to his research program and it's, yeah. Keep, keep figuring it out, keep testing things, figuring out what's uh, best for him. Mm -hmm. I may be interested in uh, taking a gap year after college graduation, but the way the MCAT testing and result dates work, I may have to take two gap years to get everything back. Taking two gap years, a red flag to medical schools. Thank you so much. No. No. I'm not sure. I mean, you're in complete control of MCAT testing and stuff. So I'm not sure why you would have to do that, especially if you're taking a gap year. But mm -hmm. yeah, no, no issues. Uh, we we mm -hmm. were talking the other day. 
uh, 65-ish percent of students take at least one year off of school. So yep. not a problem. Mm -hmm. Caitlin asks, is it okay to have an up and down trend as long as the overall GPA is decent? Yeah, so this comes up all the time, Rachel, right? We talk about trends and I'll see a student with like a 389 GPA and they're like, oh my gosh, I have a downward trend. I'm like, nobody cares about your trends. Right. <laughs> at a 389, 39, whatever, your, your trends don't really matter at that point. Right. Um, and so if you have mapped things out on mapped um, and your, your trend line is doing this, but your overall GPA is a 389, seven three eight three nine no questions asked right you're good caitlin and if you're not sure go fill out a map account and <laughs> let us look with you yes what's next vibey yo-yo <laughs> i'm currently working <laughs> on my personal statement i hope it includes yo-yos in your personal statement and i know the story i want to tell however i am struggling on the reflection part of my story any tips mm. rachel we see this is a big struggle for all of our students reflection what do you want from me what does this mean yeah it's funny too because like there's this piece of me with a lot of respect i'm like i don't know i can't get in there and do the reflection for you but I, I do also understand where you're coming from, right? Because so much of what pre-meds have trained themselves to do in recent years is work really hard to learn complex science and math concepts and work on understanding and retention. And so oftentimes, and you know, I'm generalizing, but oftentimes pre-meds have let some of their reading, thinking, writing skills, their critical analysis skills go to the wayside. And I'm not talking about talent. I'm talking about training, right? So, I mean, it's it's one reason I always like to see pre-meds for your humanities, not that you have to go be that, but if you're someone who's balancing the pre-med requirement and still continuing to take courses that challenge you to read, write, think just about, you know, topics in the world, I think that it often puts you in better shape for this moment, but it's not too late. And if you're struggling to write, which is often where I find people are stuck, is like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to write. Is it going to be okay if my essay looks like? Take your hands off the keyboard, right? Uh, talk to your stuffed animals. Talk to your pets. Talk to your best friends. Talk to yourself on Zoom. And just talk. Act like it's a journal, a stream of consciousness. See what comes up. Um, I, in Application Academy the other day, actually whipped out a graph of the Bloom's Taxonomy table, which talk about dating ourselves. Right. So this is like a way of thinking. Right. And the baseline way of learning is I learned it and I remembered it. And pre-meds are great at that. What you want to do is work your way up to higher level level of knowledge of what did it mean to me? So a classic mistake pre-meds make when they do this reflection is here's what I learned. And generally, I recommend that you avoid I learned statements. What I would say is I learned is a good first step. But then what I want to know is, so what did you do with that knowledge? If you write an essay that's, I learned empathy matters, I'm going to think you're 22, you didn't know empathy mattered, not impressed. What I would like to know is what it meant to you when you learned that, how it impacted you, what it, how it changed you. So just when you, when you, you probably will find yourself getting into some of those I learned statements. That's not bad. It just means you're not done. Keep yeah. going. Yeah. Uh, I just want to bring up again, we, we talked about, uh, mapped pro and being able to ask uh, questions of our advisors. 
I, I was just glancing at my email um, and and saw this question come in. I, I zoomed it far enough so we don't see the student's name. But these are questions that students can ask to say, hey, right, here's all of my stuff. This is a question that this student directly asked right inside of, of Mapped Pro to, to ask these questions directly of us as advisors. Um, and so if you don't have an advisor at your institution, if you want a second opinion, if you want kind of a little bit more support, $90 a year, $750 a month. Um, if you do monthly, it's, it's 10 bucks a month. So go, go check that out. Again, I just, another plug, I think Mapped Pro is probably the best thing that we do outside of Application Academy in terms of best value for, value. Uh, for helping, helping students through this process. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Vibe Yo-Yo. <laughs> Michael, do you recommend a story about patient Jane in my WA working Work activities, activities. Uh, to be also written about in the personal statement. It was very meaningful to me, but I'm worried about monotony. Thoughts. Thank you, Scott. This comes up all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everything mm -hmm. comes up all the time because we answer so many questions. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It's something I write about in my personal statements, go in my activities. If I write it about it in my activities, can it go in the personal statement? There's a lot of confusion around this. And, and mm -hmm. I've seen students leave out uh, amazing uh, foundational stuff in their activity section because they're like, well, I, I talked about it in my personal statement. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> um, but potentially same story, same patients, maybe an issue. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would say <clears throat> if it's an enormously impactful story, in this case about Jane, then I would write about that in the personal statement and use a different story in the activities description, uh, even if it's a most meaningful mm -hmm. one. I, I, I don't know that using the same example is advisable. I, I, I would say write it, you know, write about a different story that also impacted you. Um, but I, I would put the most meaningful one in the personal statement. Yeah. That's what I would do. All right. Mohib, Mohib, uh, with mapped, would someone read my personal statement? No. <laughs> so we do have we do have limits on what we can do inside of the chat advising. Uh, it's for for basic Q and A. Hey, look at my grades. Look at my activities. What are your thoughts? Am I um, I want to apply this year? Am I missing something? Uh, hey, I'm a, a freshman. What classes should I be thinking about taking? Um, that's where. Uh, mapped pro and our, our chat advising come into play when it comes to personal statement editing and feedback we do have separate packages for that um, but that is a lot more in-depth a lot more hands-on than um, I, I wouldn't say it's more hands-on than mapped pro because we're in there answering questions but yeah that's it's a different level of, of interaction and and does cost more mm -hmm. Afwa, uh, is it acceptable if one of my meaningful experiences is something that occurred the summer right before freshman year of college? Rachel, another one. I have. I hate to say it, comes up all the time. When when can I start writing about 
things that happen in my life. Uh, so the we- short answer <laughs> is it can vary year to year. Always read your application handbooks. <laughs> I'm going to start with teaching you how to catch your own fish. Um, right now, the prevailing school of thought is anything that's after high school graduation is fair game. So it sounds like this is fine. Um, uh, it's it's the summer before freshman year of college. So presumably you'd already graduated from high school. Yeah. Yeah. Some some people say after the start of college, we say after the end of high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Part of it for me is if you take a gap year, uh, mm-hmm. which is more, less common in the States, I think more people are likely to take a gap year after college as opposed to between high school and college. But I want to leave that possibility. Not everyone goes straight to college. Yep. All right. What else? Drugs. (laughs) Just say no. Uh, Is (laughs) non-clinical volunteering. Because that's real effective. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Just as effective as abstinence. Is (laughs) non-clinical volunteering OT... Ote? Uh, oh, Ote. <laughs> Ote, Panky. Uh, is, is non-clinical volunteering okay to include in the personal statement or should typically only uh, be in the activity section? <sighs> Scott, non-clinical volunteering. Personal statement is why do you want to be a doctor? Mm-hmm, right. Thoughts? I would say I would not put it in the personal statement. Um just because it's it's seemingly less relevant to the the basic question at hand, which is why do you want to go to medical school and be a doctor? So it could be confusing to a admissions committee if you go into talking about you know w- whatever capacity you were doing volunteer work that was non clinical the argument could be made, well, you could do that as a social worker, or you could do that as a, you know, some other type of uh, profession. Mm-hmm. So it deviates off of the main point of the, of the essay. So I would say no. Yep. Justin asks, how do I classify my hours spent volunteering at my local hospital? I've done volunteer patient transport and delivering miscellaneous requests to the patient's hospital room. Again, all the time coming up, uh, uh, this type of question of, is it clinical? Is it not clinical? Uh, how do I, how do I do things? Remember, remember, remember that a physician's job is not 100% clinical. So if you're looking at your position and you think it's a clinical job, but you're like, but I have non-clinical things that I do. That's okay. Right. There, there are always going to be non-clinical things that, that happen in, in clinical positions. So do your best to classify it as, as you think is um, truthfully so and go from there. Mm-hmm. And then don't just focus on all the non-clinical things in, in your. Right. <laughs> Logan, do you have any cheap MCAT prep resource recommendations? I've been using Khan Academy and Blueprint's free resources and wondering if there are any other low-cost resources you would recommend. I heard there was this thing called the MCAT podcast. The MCAT podcast, the MCAT cars podcast, uh, (laughs) both free. Um, So amazing resources there. Any other thoughts, Rachel? Where, Where can people get some cheap 
prep resources. Uh, besides going to the library and using all of the kind of books that, that are probably there to check out. Yeah, agreed. Uh, the MCAT has not had any major changes since 2015. So um, just in terms of content review, um, Khan is pretty good. Khan was going to out, um, was going to obsolete their MCAT material several years ago. And um, pre-meds pretty much rioted. They just said no. Um, and luckily the AMC and Khan worked it out. But Khan is not putting any money or effort into the MCAT resources. So, you know, again, they're fine. Can't be free not getting updated. Um, but so whether you're using con or using books, if the information's a few years old, it should still be pretty relevant. And then you just have to keep looking for practice material. Um, you do need to pay for AMC material. I know you said cheap, but that's just money you've got to spend. And then if you're low on additional practice material, what you might want to look at is you mentioned blueprints, free resources. Almost all of the major test prep companies have some free resources. So if you can't afford to make the investment to buy third-party exams, you might be able to cobble together some third-party exams by using free Blueprint, free Kaplan, free Princeton, and so on, um, so that you're saving those AAMC tests for closer to the official. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's almost mandatory it, criminal if you don't do the AAMC um, exams. The AAMC does have a free exam, finally, that they're, yeah. uh, they're letting students take, so that's great. And then uh, don't don't sleep on FAP. So yeah. if you think you may qualify for FAP through the AAMC, uh, I believe their threshold um, is still uh, increased now where it's like 400% above the poverty line. Yep. You qualify for FAP. It's one of the good things that the AAMC does where uh, they don't have a cap of FAP funds. If, if you qualify, you get it. It's not first come, first serve. So really look into the, the fee assistance program through the AAMC. Agreed. And as a reminder, um, we are you know friends with Blueprint, so just full disclosure, we work with them. They're our partner. Um, but if you have fee assistance from the AAMC, Blueprint also offers you some discounts, not on all of their programs. I think not on the 101 tutoring, but on the courses. So if you get FAP, definitely go see what else Blueprint can offer you at a substantial rate. And we also do that. So if you um, have FA fee assistance from AMCAS or Comus and you're looking to get application coaching, we also have a discount for our application academy students who are who qualify for FAP. So, so get it to save on MCAT and WMC materials and see what else, what other doors it opens for you. Yeah. Monica asks, is June 3rd MCAT too late to apply the cycle? Is it better to wait until next cycle? June 3rd is just fine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Make sure you're also working on your application too. Mm -hmm. C. <laughs> yep. C for concurrent. Donald, <laughs> would being a greeter at a hospital where I sign inpatients and patients' families and take them to pre-op PACUB clinical experience? Negative. Any 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 Agreed. dissent there? Agree. Yeah. You're not interacting with the patient in a way directly related to their health. It's not clinical. Yeah. Good healthcare experience. If that's the only thing you can get, take it. Let your yeah, volunteer manager know you want something more robust. Yep. Mm -hmm. R K. 
starting a clinical job after graduation in May, applying this cycle, would it be better to apply slightly late, say early July, to let experience accumulate and reflect on personal statement? Oh, Scott, this is a good loaded question here. So let's say I apply early July. I'm going to start working at this job in June. I'm going to have a whole month under my belt. And boy, it's going to change my life. And I'm going to be able to talk about it on my personal statement. Apply this cycle. Or maybe what I might hear you say is wait a cycle. Yeah, I mean, it depends a little bit on other things. You know, what other clinical experience do you have? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, is this that important that you want to delay your application either a few months and kind of risk the the lateness of the application or postpone it a year to get that experience? Or do you have other experiences? you know, to talk about and that, that are relevant. Uh, I, I wonder about that kind of stuff when, when you're talking about this question. Um, so I don't know that we have enough information here to really make a determination, but I, I would say, you know, if you don't have a, a lot of clinical experience, then yeah, you may want to consider waiting a cycle to, to let this, you know, let this accumulate, uh, considerably more than one month, you know, because when you're talking about one month, you know, a week of it's going to be training. Training, yeah. And then so you really, then you're down to three weeks and, Mm -hmm. you know, and you, you know, you don't really have a clue for a little bit of that, even though you've been trained. And so I I don't know, this sounds, I'm, you know, I'm a little suspect of, of, um, of this just based on what information we have here. So, yeah. 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 So, and again, let's clarify. We're not saying it's not going to be enough hours. What we're saying is it's not likely to be impactful enough for you to understand Mm -hmm. why this is important for your decision to pursue medicine and all this other stuff. If you have tons of clinical experience already and you're like, well, this is a new thing and Uh and I I potentially want this on my application, that's a different discussion. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. way the question's written, I'm wondering if this is like their first clinical Mm -hmm. uh, experience. Mm -hmm. So good luck, RK. Yeah. La la la. <laughs> for, for the essay explaining my misdemeanor, the prompt says to exclude it if my story is one of the three things they said to exclude. If my story applies to one of the three things, should I still include it? <laughs> what? I. I hate these questions. It's like, they told me not to do it, but should I do it anyway? (laughs) I know. It's also like, I read the instructions, but I don't like them. So will you help me interpret? But I don't have the context you have. La, 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 we want to help you. But there's just not enough data here. Um, (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. The prompt says to exclude if your story is one of the three things. Yep. If you're one of the three, exclude it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Don't Mm -hmm. include it. No, no mm-hmm. need to out yourself if they're saying mm-hmm. don't out yourself for these three reasons. You're like, well, that's me. Then, then don't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I obviously understand, right? There's fear of like, but what if, what if, what if? And if, if they, they're going to think I'm trying to hide something, right? If, if the, the AMCAS is pretty clear what to exclude, follow those rules, you'll be fine. 
Yep. And and let me let me just cl- uh, give one slight caveat <clears throat> to that, and that is often these application services say, for example, if you're if the record was expunged or whatever, then you don't include it. And your lawyer told you it was expunged, so you're not going to include it. Get written documentation from your lawyer that shows a court record that it was expunged because I've heard it before where the lawyer says one thing, never filed the paperwork. So it wasn't expunged. It's on your record. I mean, it gets messy. So just get in right, get, get a document that shows from the court, not an email from your lawyer that says, yeah, it's expunged a document from the court that says it's expunged. Yeah. And you don't need to submit that anywhere, but just Mm-mm. just, just in case protection. you have it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I did an episode uh, with with Uncle Larry, <laughs> with, Uncle Larry. with Larry, Larry, the lawyer, um, two episodes with him. If you just Google uh, Larry Cohen uh, Medical School HQ, uh, those episodes will come up. And, and it was specifically around this discussion of kind of just how questions are asked. And do you have to answer based on the question? go so go check those out yeah yep you and Trang, uh do you think it is possible to study for the mcat in two months i plan on taking the exam in april would it be a good idea to do it in the case that i may need to retake it again rachel mcat test prep expert two months the number one mistake i see people make is allowing two months when they need three yep that said ewan you might be the one. <laughs> Some people can do it in six or eight weeks. Yeah. Um, I've known a couple really annoying wizards who did three weeks of prep and got a good score. Um, I think we can all collectively agree that they're not our friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we respect them, but we don't want to hang out with them. No. Uh, yeah, most most people need 300 to 400 hours of study, and that's very hard to do in two months. Um, it depends on what else is on your plate. There's a lot of assumptions baked into this question. You're saying I plan on taking an exam in April. Would that be a good idea in case I need to retake it again? Uh, I mean, if you take it in April, you won't get the scores back to May. So if you retake, you're going to be doing it in the summer after your primary application ideally was already submitted. So, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be this balance of you should take it as early as you can, but not until you're ready. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, what I tend to recommend is right now, just assume April's going to work truck, truck, truck. And as you get closer to that test date before your, I think it's your 10 day out deadline is your last chance to cancel. So maybe at like two, two and a half weeks out to give yourself some cushion, start doing some deep analysis of your practice test results. And the thing is, is however you're scoring on your last couple practice tests, if you're taking them under realistic testing conditions, that's probably how you're going to do on test day. Yep. Good luck. Yeah. So Dick, uh, undergraduate GPA 3.2 with a W and five C's, not an upward trend. <laughs> this, this looks like the, the question that came through mapped. Um, uh, w and five C's, not an upward trend. Right. I took a master's with a 3.7 GPA. Do I need a post back again or my master's degree is fine? So many incomplete questions, my friends. What's your master's in? 
how long was your master's? Um, so uh, impossible to answer, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give us some more info. Upper trends should involve upper level science. Mm-hmm. Just friendly reminder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, go back, Alexis. Give us that comment. <laughs> Alyssa says, I'm in my freshman year of undergraduate. Welcome, welcome. What should I be starting to do this summer to start preparing for medical school? Oh, summertime. Beach and suntans, right, Scott? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I think as a freshman, um, you know, a lot of research uh, programs that for undergraduates, you have to have completed your sophomore year before you're going to be eligible to, to uh, apply for them or go into them. So if you're in your freshman year, undergraduate, what should be, you know, you could do some shadowing, you could do some volunteering. Uh, th- those are, are great things to do in the summer. Uh, in addition to just, you know, having some fun, you know, travel or whatever. But um, I think that uh, shadowing after freshman year, shadowing or, or volunteer work or even a paid position, you know, depending on what you can find uh, would be advisable. Um, but uh, yeah, don't feel like you've got to uh, do, you know, a whole lot of stuff. But I, I think that, uh, you know, searching out what your opportunities are and, and see what's available and, and use the summer uh, to uh, to get some of those things that maybe you couldn't get as as, as it mm, as at rich a level as during the year when you're doing coursework and all the other stuff, uh, then you can focus it on it in the summer. Manor, should the supporting evidence, watering of the seed <clears throat> in the personal statement, be specifically clinical or can it be a mix of non-clinical leadership and clinical activities? So we already answered a similar question to this one. Your personal statement is, why do you want to be a doctor? My general philosophy, I think uh, we're, we're all pretty aligned here at medical school headquarters, is that clinical experiences help support why do you want to be a doctor? Mm-hmm. If you're using research to support why you want to be a doctor, yes, it's tangentially related, but not directly correlated related, right? It's like, I like research, therefore I want to be a doctor. I'm a good leader, therefore I want to be a doctor. So typically it's the clinical activities based on how we recommend writing a personal statement that should be used. With that said, it's your personal statement, do with it as you want. Yes. <laughs> we are we are not the gatekeepers of truth uh, bruce <laughs> bruce says hi folks my son is taking the mcat for the first time in two weeks Woo! any advice to pass on to him <sighs> scott some motivation two weeks to go keep breathing the final countdown <laughs> <laughs> As I was saying, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I think that Bruce, uh, I, number one, I, I um, respect the, the fact that you're, um, you know, taking the interest in, in, in helping your son in this way. And, and that's great. Um, I really uh, think that um, my advice is the, the week of the exam 
to scale back on studying as it gets closer. Um, you know, the, so that the day before your exam, you're really doing very little uh, of, of real studying and stuff. Don't take a, a practice test the day before you go into the real test or anything like that. You need to do some relaxation things, get out, you know, um, go out to a movie or, you know, get into some, some relaxation, whatever you do for relaxation, uh, to, to kind of get yourself in a good headspace for, uh, for this, you know, thing that's going to happen the next day. So, you know, so I would say two to three days out, you want to be doing, you know, very limited amount of studying, uh, you know, any type of last minute content review maybe, or, uh, you know, going over passages that you had done on the previous weekend's um, uh, 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 practice exam, a full-length exam, and then, you know, kind of reviewing uh, stuff that you had maybe got wrong or whatever. Um, that would be my advice. Rachel, would you agree with that? Yeah. Um, yeah, another week, week and a half of good studying, mostly probably test review at this point, like Scott said. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then, yeah, it's, it's kind of like – if you almost think about marathon prep, mm -hmm. right? Like they, they call tapering the last few weeks because your work starts to go down. Um, I have a good friend who hates tapering. It's like really bums her out, <laughs> but you got to do it. You know, you got to let your body rest, let your brain rest, get mm -hmm. sleep, get good mm -hmm. nutrition, you know, um, sleep, nutrition, it. hydration. Yes. Definitely. Yep. Good. Jasmine asks, non-trad just starting. Welcome to the dark side. Looking to get into research. How do I get involved? I've always been interested. Also, how to get a science letter of rec. So this is one thing where, where I will say non-trads are, are potentially at a disadvantage. A, a lot of research happens at institutions, colleges, schools, and a lot of non-trads are, are maybe going to community colleges or going to uh, extension programs where they aren't as plugged into the research world. And so you may have to do a little bit extra work, Jasmine, to find out what's going on. It's going to be specific to uh, where you are at, the institution where you're potentially doing some post-back work, um, and, and just ask questions of faculty. Say, hey, I'm a, I'm a pre-med. I want to potentially get involved in research. Do you know anyone? What's going on? Uh, if you just Google, like, research, GI or research cardiac um, based on where you're located, uh, whether hospital or colleges and, and see science LORs. I'm assuming you're going to go back to school. So uh, you, you get those science LORs from your letter uh, from your professors. Mm -hmm. yeah. And get to know them and sit in the front of the classroom and ask good questions and go to office hours, do all the stuff. That's actually an area where I think non-trads have an advantage. Mm -hmm. um, yes, I mean, if you've been out of school for a long time, but if, it's your back, if you're back in school, you may be a little more comfortable with that idea of kind of networking and building a relationship. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard to be a teacher, man. I mean, sometimes it just feels like you're shouting into the void. Mm -hmm. So if there's someone out there who's making eye contact and taking notes and showing up to office hours, like, it's refreshing. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, Anthony, I started off my undergrad as a pre-PA student and switched to pre-med recently. Do I include the shadowing PAs in my med school application? Does it look bad that I started off pre-PA? 
<sighs> Scott, um, PA shadowing. Great. You've explored. Mm-hmm. Right? It's mm-hmm. not bad. No, I don't think it's bad. I, I, I think, you know, what you want to do in the reflection part of that um, activity description is talk about what you've learned and, and, and why you ultimately, you know, made the decision that PA wasn't for you and that you wanted to go to medical school instead. Um, uh, you know, I think that reflection part will be really important mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to, to iterate in that, uh, in that description. Yeah. Yep, yep. So when it, when it comes to the personal statement, again, with, with how we generally talk about it, the seed is what was that exposure to healthcare. Mm-hmm. And for you, Anthony, your seed is going to lead to pre PA lead to wanting to be a PA. And at some point you have some sort of, of, epiphany moment a a pivot point we i've typically been calling it lately in terms of what it is that's now drawing you to becoming a a physician versus a pa Mm -hmm. yeah typically makes for a good story so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah welcome All right, 155. Yeah, time for one or two more. Dolly, how do you buy the Application Academy program with the FAP waiver? I did the questionnaire and uploaded my FAP verification, but what is the next step? The next step is we send you an email. So just uh, be patient. Thank you for doing that. Uh, I'll go I'll go check today. I, I usually check uh, a couple times a week. So, um, Thanks, Dolly. Looking forward to seeing you in Academy. Yeah. Maz, is a one-year Master of Science in the Biological Sciences considered equivalent to a postback? How does this work with GPA for admissions? Separate, together, other. Oh, Scott. Uh, <laughs> let, let's, let's hear your, uh, your spiel again in terms of undergraduate postback versus master-level work for grade repair. Yeah, um... So I'm a little caught off by the Master of Science in Biological Sciences. Um, I'm, assu- I'm going to assume that this is essentially a, a master's degree in biology. Mm-hmm. And so if that's true, then what that's going to involve is a lot of research stuff, um, bench you know, kinds of things, uh, it, it's not all going to be didactic in the classroom, sitting there, getting it out, taking class, taking exams and, you know, all of that. And so I would say it's not equivalent to a post mm-hmm. uh because of that. Now, does that mean it's bad? No, it doesn't mean it's bad. And, and you're, you're, the further question that you ask, Ma- Maz, is, the 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 they're going to produce the application services are going to produce a, a number of different GPAs for your application. One is going to be a cumulative undergraduate GPA. One is going to be a cumulative graduate GPA. Mm-hmm. There will also be an overall GPA, which will include everything. Uh, there will be uh, science GPA and non-science GPAs for, for all of that as well. And so they're, they're going to see everything distinctly and, uh, and be able to, uh, you know, try to figure out um, how they want to interpret uh, your Master of Science program in comparison to 
um, what they're looking for and also in comparison to your undergraduate experience. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, and, and different medical schools are going to view, uh, view that differently depending on their, the paradigm that they approach it with. And so there's no, you know, definite this way or that way or whatever. Um, I am of the mind that post-bac courses are, are often the more conservative route because more medical schools kind of know how to interpret undergraduate classwork. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but having said that, you know, if you, you know, if you're in the master's program now, uh, which you really don't say that that's true, but um, uh, if you do, if you end up going into the master's program, then I think, you know, you, you do well, you, you know, you, you need to do great in that program. Uh, and uh, and show that you're you know you've made a, a a big effort and that you performed well. Yeah. All right, my friends, we have come to another end of pre med office hours, formerly called Ask Mapped, formerly called Ask the Dean, formerly called so we weren't here before. Um, <laughs> thank you for coming and hanging out for this hour. We are here almost every Wednesday at one p.m. Eastern. Don't forget Mapped. Pro, 90 plus percent of MAPT is free. You can track your grades, your activities, your MCAT score, uh, get some some kind of predetermined feedback based on data that you're giving us. Um, You can look at a customized roadmap based on when you want to start medical school. MAPT Pro, 30 days free. Use that referral code. Will allow you to, number one, use my LORs, which is our new letter of recommendation service. You can request, store, manage, transmit letters, um, out to AMCAS and ACOMAS TM DSAS. Uh, unfortunately, for this application cycle, we cannot do. Um, but more than that, uh, based on all of the questions that we get here every week, um, you can ask questions right inside of our chat advising tool of our experts. So mm-hmm. go go ask questions. Use Mapped Pro. Yeah, we'll see you in there. Uh, and if you want more one-on-one advising, we do offer that as well. You can just go to medicalschoolhq.net, click on the advising tab to see how we can help you uh, in a one-on-one way. That's that's what uh, we spend a lot of time with. Uh, there are a lot of students who are uh, fortunately privileged enough to work with us. And then we do Application Academy and all the free stuff to help everyone else. So as much as we can for every budget you can do self-paced or hand-holding we've got it all got it all thank you everyone for coming have a great week this is dr gray again closing out i hope you learned something from our session today if you haven't yet checked out mapped i invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.